Thank you for accepting our invitation and welcome to our Bible study for Wednesday, July 29th, 2020. I invite you to share a link to this podcast with your family and friends. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today in thanks and praise that you not only allow us, but you invite us into conversation with you. With the help of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you allow us to connect with you more deeply every time we come to you in prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In March of 2020, the share of Google searches for prayer surged to the highest level ever recorded, surpassing all other major events that otherwise call for prayer, such as Christmas, Easter, and Ramadan. The coronavirus pandemic has resulted in a 50% surge in online searches for prayer as people turn to religion to cope with feelings of anxiety and hopelessness. Some sobering statistics. Let's explore some biblical answers to the questions, what is prayer? Why should we pray? How should we pray? And what should we expect the result of our prayers to be? God's word is one unified story that leads us to Jesus. The more time we spend in God's word, the more likely we are to grow into the vision we have at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, which is learning, loving, living God's word. Let's start with what is prayer. I offer this definition from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, which states prayer is communion with God, usually comprising petition, adoration, praise, confession, and thanksgiving. The ultimate object of prayer in both Old Testament and New Testament is not merely the good of the petitioner, but the honor of God's name. And here's another definition found in Erdman's Bible Dictionary. Any form of communication with God on the part of believing people in response to situations that may arise in life. And I ask you to make a note to yourself to remember the term believing people, and I'll refer to that a little later on. Prayer, or something like it, begins early in biblical history. Although Adam, Eve, and Cain conversed with God in Genesis 3 and 4, the first apparent mention of prayer is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. The Hebrew word for prayer, palal, does not appear until sometime later in Genesis chapter 20, verse 7. The word is spoken by God in a dream to Abimelech, urging him to return to Abraham's wife so that Abraham might pray for him. Abimelech does this, and Abraham prays, as prophesied 10 verses later. 
but it is not until much later that we get the first description of someone actually praying. Surprisingly, the word is not used too often in the context of Abraham's story. In Exodus, we get something of a description in Moses' brief first-hand account of how he interceded for the Israelites, and that can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 9. But this is not prayer in the conventional sense. Moses is in the midst of a mystical encounter with God on Mount Sinai. Genesis chapter 4 verse 26 reports that while Adam and Eve were still alive and having children, that men began to call on the name of the Lord, a vague but evocative statement that could be interpreted as referring to prayer. It is not until the beginning of Samuel that we get a full description of an ancient Israelite praying. In 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 2, this is known as Hannah's prayer. And here is the reading. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Here we see Hannah rejoicing and praising God. In a book written by Eugene Peterson titled Answering God, he points out that the last five psalms are all psalms of praise. He also says that all prayer pursued far enough will become praise. Let's turn our focus now on why we should pray. Here's one example I found in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. In this reading, God is admonishing his people for turning their backs on him, which is basically denying any relationship with God. To establish any successful relationship, we must have communication. In this reading, it's very clear that God is pointing out the fact that his people were talking to wooden and stone idols and then turning their backs to him and only reaching out to him when they were in trouble. Here's a reading from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 27 through 28. They say to wood, you are my father, and to stone, you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, come and save us. Where then are the gods you made for yourselves? Let them come if they can save you when you are in trouble. For you, Judah, have as many gods as you have towns. Let's look ahead now to the New Testament and see if we can find any basis for why we should pray. Let's look at some of the times that Jesus prayed, and please keep in mind that these are just the written accounts of times he prayed. The list is long. He prayed at his baptism, before and after healing people. He prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples. He prayed while speaking to Jewish leaders. 
He prayed a prayer of thanks before feeding the 5,000 as well as the 4,000. He prayed at the transfiguration. He prayed at the return of the 70. He was praying before he told his disciples the Lord's Prayer. He prayed before raising Lazarus from the dead. He laid his hands on little children and prayed for them. He prayed at the Lord's Supper. He prayed for Peter. He prayed for himself, his disciples, and all believers prior to heading to Gethsemane. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed at least three times while he was hanging on the cross. He prayed a blessing for the food he and his disciples ate after his resurrection. And he also prayed just prior to his ascension. If we are to be so bold as to proclaim Jesus, our Lord and Savior, should we not look to how he modeled prayer as a basis for our own prayer life? This brings us to how should we pray. Now, there are a lot of theological formulas, if you will, for how to pray, but I think the best instruction on how to pray can be found in the Lord's Prayer. The account of the Lord's Prayer can be found in Matthew as well as Luke. Matthew's account is framed with the Sermon on the Mount. It came as a response to the question asked by his disciples. They wanted to know how they should pray. There, Jesus addresses how they should pray. This is part of the Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And here's the reading. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Immediately after this was the account of Jesus sharing the Lord's Prayer with his disciples. In conclusion, let's look at the final question. What should we expect the results of our prayers to be? How do we know we're significant enough in God's sight for him to even listen to us? Where do we find that answer? Well, if the life, persecution, and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, and I believe it is, we only have one place to look for our answer, and that is the cross. Should we expect immediate results? Well, I can only imagine that Abraham and Sarah wanted immediate results and even tried to take matters into their own hands because they did not trust God. They waited for 25 years before God's promise of a son to them. Should we be so presumptuous as to think God will give us exactly what we pray for? Let's look at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
This can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. Here is the reading. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. We should not expect instant results from our prayers as evidenced by the weight of Abraham and Sarah before Isaac was born. We should not expect God to answer our prayers by granting us exactly what we ask for, but we should pray like Jesus did and acknowledge we would like for God's will to be done. Think about all the prayers we pray during our worship service. Our bulletins are a wonderful resource to see what our corporate prayers look like. Our prayers should not just be petitions for ourselves, but should include the needs of others as well as our thanks and praise to the Lord our God. Remember early on in this Bible study, I asked you to make a note of the term believing people. One Sunday morning, I was outside our sanctuary having a conversation with one of our security officers named Manny. We were interrupted by the siren of a passing ambulance, and I told him I always ask God to bless the first responders as well as the ones they are responding to. Then I looked at Manny and asked him if he thought that did any good. His answer was very convicting. He looked at me and said, only if you believe it will. We should pray to God with believing hearts. Now I would ask you to please join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer as we conclude today's devotion. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now go in peace and share the good news.